I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Welcome to the, the island of Mike Madison. I've said it many times, an island's a beautiful place. Uh, I'm going to start on the mainland with everybody, but by the end of today's show, I'll be probably right back out there on my island <laughs> by myself. With Well, there's a few people there. My party people will be out there on the, on the island with me. But anyway, we got plenty to talk about today. I'm going to get in and start off with a little bit of uh, taking a look at the, the Biden economy, the, where we stand right now. It's been interesting what we've had... Uh, Four months since our latest, uh, uh, maybe two months, two months since our latest uh, bank failure. It seems like everything's going great. We have a bull market now in the S&P 500, a bull market, meaning these uh, from its bottom, it's gone up now over 20% or right at around 20%, depending on what it is right now. A correction is 10%. Uh, a bull market is 20% up, a, be- a bear market is 20% down. It just seems like everything's humming on all cylinders, <laughs> as usual. I've run across some stories that are they, they boggle the mind, boggle the mind to know that we are at uh, near record highs in the stock market right now. So we'll take a look at that. And then, of course, I, it, it's a law. I didn't really even want to talk about it, but I, I've got to do the Trump indictment stuff. And this is where I'll go out. I'm, I'm with you on a lot of this stuff. It's ridiculous. It's political. It's it's pretty much everything that people have said, but but it's more. I think there's other ways to look at what's going on right now uh, in the political world, and that leads me to my my first quote of the day. These are a couple of contemporary tweets. This first one is from someone who goes by the name of Darth Powell. You can imagine why I follow this person, as it is obviously it's a financial uh, Twitter account. Most of what I look at on Twitter is really financial stuff. Car market, housing market, stock market, bond market, crypto markets. I'm fascinated to see what's going on in those things. Twitter's a great place to get those kinds of uh, nuggets of information. But Darth Powell refers to the evil of the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell. Darth Powell said this. He said, is it me or does the government manufacture a new thing for us to get mad at each other about every few months? sex, religion, race, etc. Meanwhile, they literally steal the American dream to pad the pockets of the rich and no one says a word. Now, it's not just you, and somebody has been saying a word. As a matter of fact, that's been the message I've pounded home for six and a half years now here on WYAB. We are constantly given something to outrage us about. You know when I realized that Americans were truly addicted to outrage? This has been going on for a while. But, but I remember, and this I was reminded of this, I, I ran across uh, uh, something about U2, the band. 
And so I went and watched some of their old videos. I was a big U2 fan when I was in a band. We played U2 songs. Uh, you know, they were the they were the scrappy new rockers from Ireland back in the 1980s. Bono's become very tedious now, but at the time, U2 was a great band. But when I re- realized that Americans are just going to be looking for things to get outraged was when the Apple came out and they... They gave everybody the new U2 album for free on their phones. It automatically downloaded on it. Now, maybe that seems a little creepy. You know, we feel like we own our phones. People don't need to be putting things on there or taking things off. I, I get that. But I just remember the the outrage by people who were so angry. Don't give me this album. I mean, when we get to a point where <laughs> when we're given something free by one of the most popular bands on the planet and people were really upset. And it, it takes about six seconds to delete the entire album uh, if you want to from your phone. But I said, okay, we're, we're just, lo- you want to talk about first world problems? That's when people are complaining because somebody put free music into their uh, iTunes account. So anyway, yeah, we're constantly be given something to be outraged about. Michael Malice. Michael Malice wrote this. He said, the BoomerCon definition of winning is laughing at how stupid the libtards are while complaining about the rhinos who do nothing to stop them and voting for them anyway. At least they're not libtards. <laughs> that's, that's kind of, uh, to me, that, that is kind of a summation of what the right's uh, approach to politics has been for the last uh, 20, 30 years. I ran across this, too. I'm going to put this in here real quick. Um, these are some shocking statistics, and I, I had to go look them up to make sure that I was not uh, I was not propagating some kind of a bad meme out there. In Afghanistan, the average man weighs 152 pounds. In Brazil, the average man weighs 160 pounds. In France, the average man weighs 170 pounds. And in America, the average woman weighs 170 pounds. So women right now in America, their average weight is the same as the French men and substantially higher than the Afghanistan. Of course, we did starve Afghanistan for 20 years, so they, we put them on kind of a forced diet. But the average American woman is now 10 pounds heavier than the average man in Brazil. Come on, people. Come on, people. You can make any excuses you want to, but the reality is our society has just become fat. There was a, uh, I got to pull this up. This is a terrible thing for the radio, but it's, I, I, can't, I can't do this show without commenting on this. They are testing out a new way to have uh, the, the back seats in airplanes back in the economy class. Have you seen this thing? Now, you already know what's happened. The seats have gotten thinner. Uh, they've gotten close uh, to each other. You have almost no leg room. You have almost, I mean, if you're next to one of these 170-pound women, no offense to women. I'm just saying that's not healthy. But really, it's not even a 170-pound woman. When you get to next to somebody that's obese in a plane, if you're in economy, they get part of your seat. I'll just say that. Most of us have experienced this. I'm not a big guy. So I just grin and bear it and give them 25% of my seat as well. But anyway, so they're toying. They want to be able to cram more of us into the back of a plane. And so they're testing some new layouts. They have a new double-decker. Maybe you can go online and look at this. It's the new double-decked economy class concept seat. 
and what, what this thing is. Let me see if I can do this justice. Essentially, it's two levels. So like the first seat is up on a riser, and then the seat behind it will be down on the floor. That makes sense? Uh, if you can just picture this, your face, should you get the lower deck seat, is right equal with the bum and I don't mean the homeless person. I mean the rear end of the person that is in the seat in front of you. And if you can imagine kind of a kind of a yin and yang thing, the way they do this is they raise the front seat where they can kind of tuck the next seat down underneath it. <laughs> so you are, I got to tell you, uh, if they're serving any Mexican food on that plane, make sure you get an upper deck seat. That's all I'm advising you of. Um. Let's see what else we had here. Maybe I need to take a break before we get into it. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Let me take a quick break. I'll come back. We'll start looking at some of these economic figures. Yesterday, the media reported, I heard this yesterday on CBS News, our own CBS News. Uh, they, they did a report on inflation, uh, and it is was wildly either dishonest or just an outright lie. I'm going to point that out because I think you're going to hear this in other places too, and I'll be damned. If I'm going to let my listeners fall for this one, this is the Mike Madison Show. I'll be right back. All right, so yesterday we got inflation figures in, and the inflation had dropped to around 4%. This is the uh, this, this official number they give us. We know it's cooked. It understates what a real experience out in uh, real America is when it comes to the prices you're paying. But in, inflation had ticked down. You know, it, it capped out. I mean, the highest inflation that was reported by the phony government statistics was 9%. What the report came out yesterday said it was 4%. Here is how. Here is how the media reported this yesterday on CBS, and I suspect other places, although I don't listen to other uh, mainstream news. They said that this is good news because it means prices are coming down. You see the problem there? See, they were reporting on the new inflation numbers that show that inflation is slowing, or at least this reported rate. This does not mean that prices are coming down. Now, across the board, uh, there are some prices coming down. But if inflation is 10%, then prices are going up at 10%. If inflation is then reported at 4%, that does not mean prices are down 6%. It means they're up 4 more percent. You see what I'm saying here? It's always tough to do math on the air, but this was so disingenuous, and I believe they've got us right where they want us. Uh, we were celebrating. Yesterday they were celebrating because they suspected that inflation might come in at 4.2%. They say it's some big victory that it comes in at 4%. Now, we've said, and you can always look at shadowstats.com. John Williams, the economist, does a thing there where he tracks real inflation, measured the way they used to measure it back in the 1980s. And it's always about double, maybe a little bit more than double. So this means that if they're reporting 4, it's actually 8. But I just suspect that this is going to be the thing. They've got us cheering for 4% inflation, which is really 8% inflation. Woo! Crisis is over. 
And of course, again, this is compounding on the you know 9% from last year. So to go back, the prices are not falling. Now, some prices have come down. It's been pretty stunning. After COVID, lumber prices just spiked huge. We talked about a lot uh, that a lot when it came to the housing market and building prices to build a home. Lumber prices are down like 70, 75% right now uh, over the past two years. Some real estate's coming down. Some car prices are coming down. There is some deflation in some things, but it is either complete ignorance or dishonesty for the media to come out and say, good news, prices are going down. Now, I thought this was an encouraging headline to a degree. To a degree, <clears throat> we still have no entry-level housing market anymore. There, one, one just does not exist right now for the vast majority of first-time home buyers. I mean, I remember not that long ago where a starter home, even in Madison, Mississippi, was around $135,000. Then it ticked up, and it was around $160,000 after kind of the first housing boom. Now what's a starter home? $275,000, and that's at 7% interest rates on a mortgage. I mean, it's just unsustainable, but I saw this headline. I couldn't click through to the story, and to be honest with you, I didn't really, I didn't even take the time. It says, housing market 2023, nearly half of millennials and Gen Z blame government for high housing prices. Well, that's a start. That's a start. Now, I don't have any faith that they understand the mechanism of it, to understand that it is government spending too much money, which causes the Federal Reserve to print too much money, which dilutes the value of our dollars, creates inflation, and pushes money into assets like homes. I don't know if they understand that mechanism, but I'll take it. I'll take it if they're blaming the government for this, uh, then at least they're on the right track. To be, to be honest with you, most uh, older people don't understand that. So I can't understand, you know, I can't uh, assume that millennials would understand that either. On housing prices, I thought this was kind of funny. This is a clip from Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, um, wildly successful. Boy, is the guy just, oh, he's made a fortune. And I will tell you, I think Dave Ramsey has helped a lot of people wake up to their own personal debt situation. I would imagine uh, as just a force on earth, Dave Ramsey has been to the good. He's really he's helped a lot of people, inspired a lot of people to pay off a ton of debt so they're not paying a bunch of money in interest and shore up their own financial system. But there, there, there's things about Dave Ramsey that are, are a tad icky to me. His endorsed provider program. I, I was involved in this thing when I sold uh, HSAs, which are, were basically with health savings accounts and things like that. I, I was Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. Uh, he did no screening on me whatsoever. He did not know me from Adam. But he was taking a nice, fat check every month for me, if, for me being listed on his website as the person you go to for insurance. Now, I'm a free market guy. He's got a lot of fans. He reached a lot of people I couldn't have reached any other way. But the thing to me was he, he also endorses financial advisors, and Dave Ramsey is a permabull. He believes if you pay off your debt, you put everything into the stock market, and the stock market always goes up. This is a lot like the financial advisors who have never seen a bear market. They look like they're geniuses. And then 2007, 2008 comes around, and people lose half of everything they've got, 60% of everything they've got. And then they pile back in the stock market, only to be disappointed again. I would imagine if we have another stock market crash, uh, a lot of people nearing retirement, this will be their second one. 
within a relatively short period of time, really their third one, if you take in the tech boom of early 2000, uh, you should be paying attention to market conditions. It's not, it's not your wisest move to always be in the market. Almost impossible to time it and hit the low, you know, buy at the lows and sell at the highs. But there are times where it is time to be more cautious. And Dave Ramsey is pretty much a, you shove everything in there, it's always going to go up. That's always bugged me as somebody, but yeah, anyway. But he's also a big perma bull on houses. I want you to listen to this caller into the Dave Ramsey show. Uh, and listen, hard to see. Again, I'm bringing some visual things to an audio format. But uh, the the look of just abject disbelief and, and condemnation of this caller that comes across his face was quite stunning. Um, we bought this house for 387000 in February of 2022. Since then, our property has decreased in value, not increased. Oh, you should see the furrowed brow there. What? It's, it's, no. I tell everybody to build your wealth through real estate. Now, I'm not saying real estate is not a great investment many times, and people who own, there's, uh, look, I'm not saying, but <laughs> this idea that, well, I've been telling it about, it can't have got, just, uh, let me just let you listen to it. How? Uh, he's got a sidekick too. I was not I was not aware of the sidekick. He's got a, a young black woman that is is on the stage with him. I haven't heard him in years and years, so maybe she's a a permanent fixture. But it, I'll I'll start this again and I'll be quiet while it happens. In February of 2022, since then our property has decreased in value, not increased. How? To three thirty-five. Who said? The market. No. <laughs> Realtors, the comps, all that. Yeah, it's crazy. Did you massively overpay and get in some weird bidding war when you bought it? Um, I did not get in a bidding war. We got it from a new construction. It's what they were asking. Um, we fell into the, like, um, we'll offer you, like, so much down for closing stuff. So, I mean, I think it was 380 after they paid closing costs. Um, but our home has lost a lot of money over the past year, literally a year. Um, Kathleen, something's wrong. Because Austin, Texas has not lost real estate value. Something is wrong. Yeah, you know what's wrong? <laughs> What's wrong is a housing market that went absolutely insane like it did over the last couple of years, and people were paying top dollar for these homes. I mean, did you see the increase? The problem I have with Ramsey in this case is when you have above average returns, things tend to have some gravity to them. They do come back down. And, and actually, the chart on Austin, Texas right now, I looked it up because I was, I was so surprised that he was just shocked. Uh, that just can't be true. Real estate never goes down. Did we learn nothing? Did we learn nothing from 2008, 2009? I, I spotted the housing bubble in, I think, 2004, 2005, watching, watching homes on, on you know, HGTV, these house flippers. You'd see like a janitor and a fast food worker owned two homes, and each one of them were worth 500000 and they were putting another 80000 into them to flip them. And I remember looking at my wife at the time, and we were in a home, and I said, I think it's time to sell this house. This, this is insane. Well, we learned nothing from that. It was this idea, but the Austin home prices right now are down somewhere between 6 and 8%. 
It's not hard to find that out. Those statistics are out there. I just found it kind of fascinating. Look, home values fluctuate. There's a little secret out there. Owning a home, not always the smartest move. Huh? Uh, we, we don't ever say that, do we? Because we, we want people to plant themselves and become stable. And there's certainly something great about home ownership, No doubt about it. There's stability to that. There's familiarity. There's a, a sense of owning and things. But financially, when you tack in your insurance and your repairs and your upgrades and everything else, home ownership is not this bonanza of wealth building that everybody's made it out to be, particularly when you buy at the top of a bubble. I'm just surprised Dave Ramsey doesn't know that. One other economic story, and, and this is repeated time and time again, but this was a good example of it. Uh, the, SEC, the SEC has sued uh, Binance and Coinbase. These are uh, crypto exchanges. I know very little about them. I'm not a crypto guy interested by it. As a libertarian, I like the idea, but I've been suspicious. Anyway, and, and kind of for these reasons. See, the government's coming after these exchanges. The on-ramps and off-ramps to owning Bitcoin for all the people who say, oh, it's so private and you get to hold it and the government can't touch it. They can't control us, Mike. Well, um, I got to tell you, I think they're going to end up controlling you. Anyway, the SEC, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know enough about these things to know if they've been involved in something that's legitimately wrong. Uh, they sued uh, and they're now investigating um, Coinbase and, and Binance. The reason I bring this up, <clears throat> I forget what day it was. The day before the SEC sued Coinbase, announced their suit into Coinbase, somebody uh, went in and took on a huge position in what are called puts. Now, for people who don't understand options trading, I myself was a stockbroker at one time. A put, when you buy a put on a stock, that's an options trade, you're betting against the stock. If you buy a call, you're betting on the stock. You think it's going to go up. If you buy a put, you're betting it goes down. Uh, the day before this SEC announcement, somebody bought $107,000 of puts, meaning they were betting against the Coinbase stock, <clears throat> and it was 19% out of the money and expired in four days, meaning that if if this thing had not, if Coinbase had not gone down after this SEC investigation, if it had just stayed where it was, they would have lost that entire $107,000. It would have just been flushed down the toilet. That's the way options are. Don't have time to explain them. Hard to explain. And most people aren't interested. But had they, had they expired, they expired in four days. So in four days, had Coinbase not gone anywhere, they were just going to have flushed $107,000 down the toilet. But luckily enough... The very next day, the SEC uh, sues Coinbase, and the positions were up 2,572%. They turned $100,000, $107,000 into millions of dollars overnight. Huh. It's almost as if, no. Am I insinuating that somebody within the SEC or somebody within our federal government or people with knowledge of pending legal action would ever tip off a friend or a relative or a Cayman offshore account to make a trade on these things before? Hmm. No, that thing would not happen. And we have ethics committees in our Congress. I'm sure we have ethics rules for our, uh, uh, our agencies, don't we? Yeah. 
somebody made bank they knew before. This is, you know, this is not new. There were a lot of people that made a lot of money shorting, betting against the airlines just a short, short time before 9-11. That was an interesting one, too. I also wanted to hit this one real quick when it comes to economics. Then we'll get to the biggest story of the day when we come back. Um, commercial real estate. Boy, there's some trouble brewing there. I want to read this. Fitch Ratings recently estimated that 35% of pooled, securitized commercial mortgages coming due between April and December 2023 won't be able to refinance based on current interest rates, right? We got higher interest rates now, and the property's income and values. While many malls and hotels face high default risk, the situation is particularly dire for office owners. Again, they give these mortgages on commercial real estate, and then they bundle them all together like they did with the mortgages a long time ago, and then sell them as bonds. Fitch Ratings is saying 35% of those probably can't refinance, meaning these loans may be in default. That's bad enough, but Xiaoling Li, managing director at data company CoStar's risk analytics teams, estimates that as much as 83% of outstanding securitized office loans won't be able to refinance if interest rates stay at current levels. Watch the commercial real estate market. And I'm actually doing a little investigation to find out commercial real estate has been very attractive. These, uh, these, uh, these dead instruments have been very attractive for pension plans, company pension plans, insurance plans, state and local pension plans. These things look like they're poised to blow up. I think we're going to see a big fat shoe drop on commercial real estate. They cannot, they have to refinance these buildings fairly regularly. Those are not long-term 30-year mortgages on commercial buildings. And now their tenants are down. The work from home has decimated a lot of it. Cities like uh, San Francisco are just emptying out. Several big hotels there, mainstay properties of San Francisco, have just been uh, basically given back to the lenders now. I've completely defaulted on those. So you got lower rents than you used to have, and now they're having to refi at normal, really what are just normal interest rates. They can't handle it. That's the state of our fragile economy. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Biggest story of the day, bar none. Now, I'm going to get to the Trump indictment in just a second, but not a short segment here, but I mean, come on. We got a new whistleblower on the UFOs. We've got what? What'd they say? 12 craft along with the aliens that came with them? I love UFO stories. I, I have pretty much my entire life. Just very interesting to me. I don't almost have a position on... Uh, the UFO phenomenon, except it's fascinating. It just It's like a movie. I can imagine that we are not alone. But let me say something here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm somebody who could believe in UFOs when I hear about it from cops, uh, airline pilots, farmers, bus drivers, uh, normie citizens in the street. If they have a credible story about an encounter, I'm fascinated by those things. Sometimes they've got the grainy pictures, you know. But what I don't trust, <laughs> they're ruining the whole UFO thing for me. What I don't trust is anybody from the government telling me they exist and they are here. And, and this latest whistleblower, he may be the real deal. I don't know. 
But he's ruining it for me because he's a forming, former Navy intelligence officer has come out and said he's a whistleblower. He's still alive. He's really spilling the beans. So I just automatically assume we're being lied to and we're being set up for something. Because the last thing our government will tell us is the truth about anything. If hiding it can increase their power and profit, and if exposing it can increase their power and profit. These things don't just get out. So let me just say, I'm suspicious. There was a very interesting Las Vegas footage, too. The, the fireball that fell to the ground and the, the family that said, uh, hello, we got, a, we got like some eight and... 10-foot creatures in our backyard staring at us? That was intriguing, too. I'm just saying, I love the UFO stuff, and and I want to believe it. I find it fascinating. I have UFO dreams. They're some of my, I have invasion dreams. They're some of my favorite ones. They're exciting. Good movies. I love a good movie. War of the Worlds, when the things first come to, come to Earth, the lightning starts striking, and they come out of the ground. Forget about it. I've seen the opening 20 minutes of War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise 100 times because I just like that excitement. But when the government, when somebody from the government, I, I love whistleblowers. There's some legit guys out there, but I'm just telling you, there was this To the Stars Academy. Have you seen this thing? It's a uh, one of the guys from Blink-182 came out, and he's got some intelligence people with him. And they have been out for several, <clears throat> excuse me, they've been out here for several years now uh, telling us that we have these vehicles and all that stuff. But their, their bent is always, and this is a national security threat. That's what I think they're setting us up for. I, I think this is going to be another situation of another war to fight. We already got we, we already got our new Trump's uh, space force, a whole new blood-sucking branch of the military. You know, maybe that was just setting up. You know, they put these things together in pieces. Oh, look at this. We, we're telling the American people we have uh, aliens here. They're definitely flying through our skies. Thank goodness we've already got a new military branch flush with a bunch of taxpayer cash to pay defense contractors to build us some new fancy space gear. Thank goodness. So that might have been a setup for that. Um, well, in, the, in space... Wars will be even better than the war on terror. See, the war on terror was great. It was against, for them, not for us, for them. It was a war against an ideology. We don't get to see the battlegrounds. It's not other governments involved. It's just kind of out there, right? And you can just pick anybody and call them a terrorist. Just imagine the scam that is going to be the space wars. No witnesses. We'll probably get some good AI animation of the battles that our tax dollars are going to fund. It's really, it's ticking me off. I'm fascinated by the UFO topic, but the government coming out and telling me it's true. <laughs> and maybe it's just not true at all. Maybe it's just one, one giant scam. And the, the other interesting thing about it is, uh, so this is kind of what they've referred to as disclosure. It would be one of those moments. I mean, I guess if a giant ship came and landed at Central Park or Trustmark Park here locally, if one just came down and just sat in front of us and aliens got off of it, it would change the world. It's interesting to me that the government has essentially come out now and said, yes, there are UFOs. They've released this Navy footage, and everyone's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> really hasn't mattered to us at all. Hasn't changed a thing. Tell us about the trannies again. <laughs> we could be visited by an alien race. The quest for life out there that has consumed humanity since the day we stood upright on the earth. We finally, supposedly, have got the answer, and everybody's like, huh, oh, okay. 
really very anticlimactic. I'll be right back. There was uh, one quote I forgot to read came along with the UFO story. Scott Perry, he's a Republican from Pennsylvania, actually had the cojones to say this. Quote, the truth, whatever it is, regardless of what the subject is, belongs with the American people, not in these halls, not in some other place in some building in downtown Washington, D.C., out with the American people. Quote, this is their government, not the people that work in D.C. They're the custodians of the information. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he he believes that on the UFO stuff. You, you understand why I I find that so humorous. The government keeps everything secret from us. They they conceal their crimes constantly. We've got a billion uh, documents out there, according to Tucker Carlson, that are currently classified. And this guy, this guy, maybe he's new. Maybe he's brand new to Washington. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's get to this. I'll try to get to it pretty quickly here. The Trump indictment. I'm going to have, a, as usual, probably a little bit different take on this than most people, so I'll give you my slightly different take. Um, here, here's the thing. People don't seem to be able to process these days the fact that several things can be true all at the same time. We're, we're trained by our political masters to immediately say it's all one way or the other. The left will say Trump's a crook and everything that... Uh, the media and the Democrats say about him is true, and now justice has finally caught up to him. The walls have closed in. Or Trump supporters and Republicans will say, he did absolutely nothing wrong. They're just coming after him because they're scared of him. He's innocent of every charge that's ever been hurled at him. It's the, the very comforting good guy versus bad guy idea. And it does, I'll admit, admittedly, it saves a ton of time from actually thinking about any of these issues. Uh, obviously, this is a very political thing. I'm not sure exactly the goal because the Democrat, you know, I know, and I'm sure the Democrats know every attack on Trump makes him more powerful. He was trailing Ron DeSantis prior to the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And Ron DeSantis wasn't even in the race yet. Really, Trump wasn't on Twitter. He was kind of out of the scenes. He had done some campaign. He started his campaign with Lindsey Graham. That was a big dud. But as soon as they attacked him, he shoots up in the polls. And I've seen people say, I don't like Trump, but I can't, you know, I can't count this. So I'm going to probably vote for him now. And that really raises, I mean, the Democrats know this. I know this, you know this. So it makes it a little suspicious to me that maybe we're not really seeing exactly what the playbook is here. Maybe they're legitimately scared of him, but there's a lot of things you could do to Donald Trump to stop him that don't involve all this. This is perfect to get everybody fighting amongst each other and to keep the political theater front and center, get the drama going. Mission accomplished. It's perfect political theater for the masses. Trump himself loves this stuff. The Democrats love this stuff. They raise massive amounts of money on this stuff, and they set us up for this existential battle, supposedly, between these two forces come uh, 2024. Now, a lot of people are talking about how this is so terrible to indict an opponent. It's like a banana republic. Yeah, duh. We've been one for decades. And it's true. And we know Biden is corrupt and feeble, man. He, Joe Biden clings to power like a nursing home patient to a jello cup. But let's be honest here for just a second. If we can, let's be truthful. Let's, let's get real, as they say. 
If the shoe was on the other foot and Hillary was being indicted as the leading Democrat before a campaign, conservatives would certainly be cheering it, wouldn't we? If Joe Biden was leading, he, he had secured, because he's going to steal it, he's going to steal the DNC nomination. If he was arrested or tried right before an election, I'm talking about up to the day before the day before the voting starts. Would any of the people on the right be jumping up and down and saying, we can't do that to a, a political opponent. That's election interference. Absolutely not. You'd be celebrating the top of your voice. So would I. I would love to see Hillary, Obama, or Biden charged, indicted, and put into cuffs up to and including the minute they're about to put their hand on the Bible to be sworn in. So let's just, let's just be a little honest about that. This idea that uh, this is the defining moment that shows we're a banana republic because every single person out there who's involved emotionally in this issue would be exactly on the other side if, it, if the shoe was on the other foot and this was a Democrat. You would have the Republicans saying, no, they broke the law, they deserve to get punished. You'd have the Democrats saying, this is election interference, uh, you can't do that to a political opponent. It, 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 it's, this is exactly how it would go. So let's dial back the hysterics of, it's just unacceptable. It's... it's Anyway, um, I think personally, and I'm on the record with this for sure, that every president in modern history should be behind bars. Both Bushes, both of the Clintons, Obama, Trump, Biden, all of them for corruption of war crimes. Is it not corruption? Is taking millions of dollars from big pharma and then doling out billions back to them, taking millions in, they, they only have to spend millions, is, is big pharma or the defense contractor putting millions of dollars into Congress critters' pockets and then taking out billions of dollars of taxpayer dollars, is that not some level of corruption or bribery? When it looks, You look at uh, what happened with Medicare Part D. You look at, oh, that's the Bushes. You look at Obama with Obamacare. You look at Trump with the vaccine program. And now Biden again with the vaccine again. They take in millions from the pharmaceutical companies and they dole out billions, hundreds of billions, to these industries every year. Now, the charges that they brought against Trump are wildly hypocritical. It is most definitely selective prosecution. We know all these people do it. You're right to say Joe Biden had documents here. Uh, Pence had some documents. Hillary had her serve. Of course, this is selective prosecution. I'm just suspicious that it's for a bigger purpose, you know, a, a political theater purpose. We'll see. I could be wrong on that. But <clears throat> my thing is, what's interesting to me is when, when they attack our team for something, we just always say they're innocent. It's a political witch hunt. You know, politics is the perfect cover for any kind of crime because you can always accuse the other side of just being political. My sense is I'm not outraged that a charge was brought against a former politician even if he's a candidate, my outrage is that more charges haven't been brought against more of these people. My answer to the problems that we face of corruption in the government is not to let Trump skate because everybody else skated. If Trump's guilty of anything, then hang him. Well, jail him. Jail him and then go back and jail everybody else. Now, we know that's not going to happen. That's not being realistic. I understand that. But it's just interesting. This is why we don't ever get anywhere, because when our team gets in trouble, we don't hold them accountable for anything. Now, I don't know what Trump did, except I think maybe he's being kind of stupid. But I do want to bring this up. Donald Trump is being charged under the Espionage Act. 
I've seen a lot of reference to it as being a relic of World War I and just a crappy way of censoring and controlling people. I don't know that much about the Espionage Act. What I do know about the Espionage Act, though, is that it is what Trump used, the exact same law, this Espionage Act, to truly kidnap, torture, and slow kill Julian Assange. And for that, I think Trump should be arrested and jailed. So he is getting the brunt of the same law he dishonestly and corruptly used on Julian Assange because Trump was trying to protect the deep state using that law. That's not lost on me. And I got to tell you, it feels a little karmic-y. It feels like a little bit of karma. I've heard a lot of Trump supporters say, rightfully, yeah, Trump should have pardoned Julian Assange and maybe not Jared Kushner's Diddy. They thought it was a crime that Julian Assange, a lot of Trump supporters are on board with that, but I don't think people really fully appreciate exactly what that was about. Julian Assange was exposing the very deep state that Donald Trump is, says he's committed to take down, yet the one man who was actually fighting the deep state, exposing their secrets, exposing their crimes, was Julian Assange. And the Trump administration, I think at the behest of Mike Pompeo, Trump's pick, they destroyed this man. They locked him up. They've slow killed him. And now Julian Assange looks like he's going to be extradited to the United States and put into the hands of the Biden administration. So, I mean, I got to tell you, what Trump did in that particular case when he had every opportunity. Do you know, I don't have time to get into it. I have one of Trump's last official acts from January 19th of 2020. Well, it's kind of a jaw dropper I've never heard mentioned. I'll bring it up in another show. Um, I've got a little bit more to say. I'll say about this tomorrow because I'm actually recording this before the arraignment, so I'll probably touch on this again tomorrow. But I also wanted to mention, and I'm out of time now, to talk about Carrie Lake and how she approached this. We'll touch on that on tomorrow's show because I've got some questions about that as well. Uh, as much as I've appreciated some of the things that Carrie Lake has said and done. Anyway, that's all the time I've got today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Uh, bye-bye. Here comes a- Ready or not.